edge. And also with you. So, all right, that's enough of that. <laughs> um, if you're really good, maybe I'll wear it when we do worship on Friday, Thursday. Um, so, yeah, I wanted you guys, like, up here where, you know, because to be honest with you, you know, sometimes you write the sermons and you think about, like, um, you know, oh, the wider church of body, or you, you think about, you know, oh, you know, this is going on or that's going on. Today, when I wrote the sermon, I just kept thinking about you guys. When, and, you know, so I wanted you up here, but remember, when we get to some of the, you know, darker stuff, I'm talking to you. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, no, it's good times. Um, before we get into um, the sermon again, gosh, I want to thank you guys for all the work that you did last week. That was incredible what we got done. Thank you so much. Thank, um, you know, I, I, I thanked a lot of people in the Inu Hope with, uh, like, the, the personal jobs that you did, but really the, what struck me was the collective um, efforts from the body and the generosity of your time and your, and your strength and your organization skills. Really fantastic. The other thing was, uh, man, how a, what, a, what a blessing that we raised um, over $600 for the Community Crisis Center for the gift cards. That's such extreme. We're going we're gonna to talk about in a few minutes about something else special that happened when I went to, uh, to deliver those. So that's pretty cool. But for now, I want to ask in what direction uh, do you think you're moving? As you personally, you sit here and you're poised for, for Christmas, poised for a new year. Which direction are you facing? Are you facing towards God's kingdom, towards a path lit by his light, guided by his wisdom, following his leadership, or are you facing another direction, a direction maybe of selfishness, of anger, of unjust anger, of unhelpful criticism, or perhaps lust, or greed, or hatred have taken over what otherwise would have been what has been God's best for you? Perhaps you woke up one day and you found yourself facing a direction of great fear. And as you sit here this morning examining yourself, your, your mind, your body, your soul, what are the things that you wish that you could leave behind you for 2016? What, do you, like, what are the things that you wish that, gosh, these are the things in my life, I'm looking at all the things that are in my life, and these are the things that, you know what, I would just really rather not leave 20, uh, enter 2016 with those things. I'd rather just leave them in 2015. Those are the things I want you to think about today. Um, what are those things? Without those habits, or maybe even without that past, then, you know, that would really be something, maybe you're thinking. Because that weight is burdensome. Do you, like me, um, taste a better life daily that seems unattainable in a complete sense. I could be wrong, of course. Maybe you've got it all together. But I'm here today to tell you that I don't. I've personally had moments, uh, times, days, weeks, when it feels like I have completely given up on God. 
I have allowed my own selfish sin to corrupt the direction in which I was moving. And by God's grace, I'm repeatedly reminded of the unending love offered to me by Jesus. I'm repeatedly reminded of the truth that my God is a God of second chances, of third chances, of 99th chances. And there are absolutely those days when I feel His love, I feel Him get me back on the right track, and then I choose, because of my own selfishness, to ignore the grace shown to me and go right back to moving in a direction that seems opposite to his kingdom. And I could sugarcoat it and tell you that I slipped back into it by accident. You know, by some second nature that seems foreign to the habits that I'm attempting to instill. But, but that's not the truth. My sin is deliberate and it is intentional. I am a radical corruption of the image-bearing man that I was made to be, and I am absolutely, desperately in need of a Savior. Though my sin is deliberate, no amount of intentional effort on my own could ever atone for the separation between my God and me. No amount of Sunday morning church visits, or volunteering at soup kitchens, or working with the youth, or even being a pastor. Nothing could, could win me God's favor. And the grace offered through Jesus' sacrificial love is completely because of His character, not mine. It's because of the character of His heavenly Father that the Son of Man came not to serve, not to be served, but to serve and give His life a ransom for many. My faith in Jesus Christ doesn't win me favor with God either. But it is a sign. It's a sign that he's rested his grace on me. And still, he's called me, he's begged me to live a life worthy of the calling with humility, gentleness, and patience, striving for love, unity, and peace. And I have repeatedly fallen away. It's like Paul said, I don't understand my own actions. I don't do what I want and the, the, but I do the thing that I very hate? Uh, and that's Paul talking. So I ask you again, in which direction are you moving? The first two chapters of the New Testament, the book of Matthew, um, recount the story we commonly associate with portions of the Christmas narrative or the, the, the time that we talk about Jesus' birth. We'll see, move, um, we'll, we'll see more of that in the coming weeks for sure. But the first thing we read at the beginning of chapter 3 is a description of a wild man who wore clothes made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. I have a leather belt, but it's not like that. Um, for food, he ate locusts and wild honey sandwiches. Did, did, do you like PB&J? Some of you can't eat PB&J. I love PB&J. I like almost never go to bed without a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Almost every day. Well, this guy liked L and WH. Locust and wild honey. Good stuff. In the Bible, he's called John the Baptist. Now, his ministry appeared in the wilderness of Judea, which is in the south. So I guess we could call him a southern Baptist. Right? You like that? Yo, man. Good times. No, it's because he was baptizing people in the Jordan River. 
which is like the, the cover of your bullet in the Jordan River. After the birth narratives, the first thing we see in Matthew is John the Baptist appearing in the wilderness in Judea, proclaiming, what is he proclaiming? Uh, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. The kingdom of heaven is so close you could reach your hand out and touch it. It's within your grasp. John says, repent or, or turn from whatever sort of life you were living before and be prepared to walk in the direction of God's kingdom. And Matthew tells us that when the people came for baptism, they confessed their sins. They turned away from the things that they were moving in the direction that they were moving, and they pointed themselves in a different direction towards God's kingdom. They started walking a new path. Here we have confessions of sins and repentance and baptism, and we haven't even met the adult Jesus yet. John was preparing the way for Jesus. He said, I baptize baptize you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me, and I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. That all seems good, right? That makes sense. John's saying, get yourself ready. God's about to do something really special, so hold on to your butts, you know? But then it gets a little weirder, and he starts using language that we're kind of unfamiliar with. He says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, how many of you guys in this room have been baptized? You guys ever remember fire being involved? That would be interesting, you know. Yeah. Um, It says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear the threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary, but the chafe he will burn with unquenchable fire. I love how um, Eugene Peterson translates this in the message. He says, I'm baptizing you here in the river, turning your old life in for a kingdom life. The real action comes next. The main character in this drama, compared to him, I'm a mere stagehand. He'll ignite the kingdom life within you, a fire within you, the Holy Spirit within you, changing you from the inside out. He's going to clean house, make a clean sweep of your lives. He'll place everything true in its proper place before God. Everything false, he'll put out with the trash to be burned. Kids, have you ever thought about Judgment Day? I've thought about, um, about sitting before this sovereign and mighty God, and I'm just laying on the floor because I can't think of anything else to do but attempt to just hide my eyes from this holy, holy, holy God. I'm not worthy to be in his presence, and he would be totally within the bounds of his justice, to dismiss me from his presence forever. But instead, the kingdom fire life is within me. The Holy Spirit is within me, and he has changed me from the inside out. The winnowing fork was, a, was like a fork shovel that was used to toss the fresh, yeah, toss the fr- threshed grain into the wind and separated the kernels of wheat, the good stuff, from the chaff, the straw which was blown away. That's why I mentioned that sandwich thing before, because for a guy who ate bugs and stuff, he knew an awful lot about grain. Anyway, 
This is what's happening to you. Everything unholy, everything that is unpleasing to God isn't just forgiven by God. The the image here is that Jesus baptizes sin out of you with the fire of the Holy Spirit. You will be more you than ever, um, than ever before. Sin, your false direction away from God's kingdom, has prevented you from being the person that he created you to be. It's not like he wants you to be a completely new person. He wants you to be you. He wants you to be the you that you were created to be, not the the you that he created you to be, not the you that has been corrupted by sin. Therefore, the closer you get to Jesus, the more you, you become. Does that make sense? This is incredibly good news for those of us who have ever felt discouragement. This is incredibly good news for anyone who has ever felt, felt like life just doesn't make sense. You see, God created you with love and care. He loves you, um, he loves that you feel a certain way about his world. Um, maybe you care more about music than others. Maybe it's art, maybe it's history, maybe it's sports. Maybe it's business, maybe it's politics or religion or civic duty, maybe it's world justice or or a cause for peace. That feeling that you get when your soul leaps, that thing that just gets inside of you and it makes you feel alive, God made that and God put that in you and he loves that in you. He loves that about you because it is how he shows you that you are alive in him and that he is very present in your life. And my guess is that those things, those things that you love so much, if I ask you to name the things that make your soul leap, those are the very things that God would use to help you love and serve others. That's the kind of God he is. But here's the thing. You and I both know that sin gets in the way of that. Sin isn't just bad choices that with God's help we'll be able to stop doing one day. No, no, sin, it corrupts us. It stops us from truly loving the things that God loves. It stops us from truly embracing those things that we hold so dear. Sin stops you from being you. The gospel, the good news of God's kingdom is that he loves you exactly as you are, but he refuses to allow you to stay that way. He wants you to be you, and that's, and that's what's happening when Jesus baptizes us with the fire of the Holy Spirit. We're to be transformed. Repent, therefore, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Turn from those things that put distance between you and God, and listen Listen to that whisper of God and embrace new life offered in Jesus. Last week, Amy and I took a, a box of um, the box of the Food Lion gift cards to the Community Crisis Center. And I can't tell you how happy I was that New Hope raised $620 for, the, uh, for families in need this Christmas. Um, the generosity was extremely touching. Now, some of you, uh, and I'm glad we did it. By the way, special thanks to Anna Hankey for that tremendous idea. Incredible. Thank you very much. (laughs) 
some of you chose to give uh, money, which is fine. Um, money in cash or money in, uh, in, in checks, so, which was fine, but it meant that I needed to go to Food Lion to buy the rest of the cards. Um, so I got to talking to the cashier about why I was buying you know, 20 gift cards. And she helped me make sure that, that each card was marked correctly and had the right amount of money on each one. And we ended up chatting for about 15 minutes. And by the end of the conversation, she ran over to a nearby gift card display and gave me two more gift cards out of her own money. She said, my husband is a recovering alcoholic, and there but for the grace of God go I. See, she knew that her husband's story was redeemed when it was placed within God's story. In the same way, John the Baptist was asking the crowds to place their story in the proper context of God's story. They knew that God's story was so much greater than any pain that they'd lay at his feet. Remember his, this, friends. The only thing more common in this world than sin is God's love. But make no mistake, it's his story, not ours. And the truth is, there are consequences to our actions. Let me take you back in time, a long time ago. During the last year of the Clinton administration, the World Trade Centers uh, were still a part of the New York City skyline. The Lord of the Rings were just books. Cell phones were things that were really only used by rich people. And the world had never heard of Hayden Christensen. In 2000, I felt called into ministry. I dabbled with it here or there before. When I was in high school, I, uh, I helped found a Christian club that I think is still around. But in 2000, it felt, I felt this clear call from God um, to use my life and my experiences for a specific kind of vocational service for his kingdom. And I was thinking this week about what it would have been like if God had told me, if God, I had a conversation with God about what the next 15 years would have been like. So here's Here's my imagining of that scenario. Now remember, I'm, 50, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm 18 years old in this scenario, and the last 15 years hasn't happened. Mr. Miller, could I speak with you a moment? Oh, yes, Lord, speaketh, your servant litheneth. Ah, uh, yes, um, see, I, I've, uh, I know you've loved your time here at Kimmel Tyrant Auto, but... <laughs> But congratulations, you've been tapped for ministry. Oh, really? That's tremendous. Yes, it's going to be great. I really want you to use your gifts and experiences in service to my kingdom. Now, have you thought about what it would be like for you to go about preparing for ministry? Oh, no, sorry, Lord, I haven't. Well, you'll need schooling, and then you'll need experience. And ultimately, doesn't need to be today. You're going to need a partner. A woman who loves you almost as much as she loves me. Well, God, um, I'm just brainstorming here. But how about this? 
most of my friends have gone to college already. In fact, some of my best friends have gone to College Park. Why don't I go to school at Maryland and I'll get the college experience right there in the nation's capital? I, I, could, um, I could get my undergrad in like history or theology and build a foundation for a career in ministry. Then I got to go to seminary, right? So maybe I'll go to Fuller Theological Seminary in Southern California. It's a great school. I'm going to learn a lot. I'll get a cultural experience of living in a different part of the country and a theological training of, of studying at a great school. And all that will really prepare me for the work at, at maybe some big church somewhere. And if in the meantime, I should meet a California girl, all the better. What do you think? Oh, not bad. College Park, Fuller, great schools. And yep, California girls are something else. But just as we're brainstorming here, let me just highlight for you a few holes that I see in your, hand, in your plan. Number one, Mr. Miller, would you consider yourself a learned man? Oh, I'd love to be smart. I'm sure you would. But, but is academia something that you've placed in, in high regard in your life thus far? Oh, well, no. Um, not, not especially, but, but that could change. I'm sure it could. But let me ask you this. Have you ever read a book? <laughs> oh, I, I read Narnia that one time. You did. You did read Narnia that one time. Have you, have you ever read a school book? Or any book that wasn't written for children? Well, no, I guess I haven't. Truth is, they read in college. A lot. Sure, I could just make you smarter, but you know that's not really the way this works. Let me ask you another question. Does your family come from money? Oh, no. No, not at all. In fact, no one in my immediate family has ever gone to college, let alone traveled out of state. That's why I thought this would be such a good idea. Oh, well, it is a good idea. Don't get me wrong. H have you saved any money over the past few years? Oh, no, I, 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 don't have, I don't have a dime to my name. Well, here's the thing. They like money in California. <laughs> There's this show, Beverly Hills 90210. Don't watch it. Don't watch it. But, but money is something that they have and you don't. Now, of course, I could get you money, but that's not really the way this works. One last question. Would you consider yourself physically fit? Oh, I have a great metabolism. Skinny as a rail here at age 18. Yes, you are. Have you taken steps at instilling good habits of health in your life so that when your metabolism should change, um, you're ready for it. Oh, um, not yet, but I would love to get buff one day. <laughs> I'm sure you would, um, and I could help that way. I could help with that, but that's not the way this works? Exactly. Right. You see, the thing is, those California girls, they tend to appreciate physical fitness in men. Again, 90210, don't watch it, but it's there. So that's just a few problems I could see with your plan. Would you mind if I give it a go? 
Oh, please do, Lord. Well, I'll get you a job working at one of those big churches right away. It'll be great. You'll have great experiences. You're going to meet incredible people that'll point you in the right direction. It'll inspire you in your studies and expose you to ministry experience. And by the time you're done, you'll meet the woman who will be your wife. Oh, and then I'll go to school? No, not quite. You'll leave that church and you're going to get started in a smaller church plant. You'll love it, but that won't be your job. No, you'll get married and then you're going to start selling meat out of the back of a van. What? Oh, yeah, it'll be rough. <laughs> it'll be rough. Um, it, well, there's money in it then? No, no. No, you won't have any money. You'll do that for a year or so, and then you'll work for an electrician for another year. Oh, and there's money in that? No. It'll get a little better. And all the while, you'll dream about what a life in ministry could be. And then in the meantime, you'll start a house church and begin a lifelong love of small group ministry. And then I'll get a job doing that? No. You'll be an exterminator for 10 years. <laughs> 10 years? <laughs> yep. You'll spend a whole decade learning customer service and relating to people, and you'll spend hours on the road. But it's all right, because you're going to make the most of your time in traffic listening to hours and hours of preaching, teaching, and audiobooks. You'll also strengthen your marriage, and you'll have a son, and all of that will build your character for what happens next. Oh, well, what is next? Uh, you're going to get that history degree you wanted, and then you're going to go to seminary. <gasps> seminary? Where? St. Mary's. It's a Catholic seminary. You want me to be Catholic? No. no. It'll, it'll be an ecumenical institute of theology. A what now? Ex exactly. But, but it's all good. It'll be some of the best teaching that you've ever heard in your life. And then after 15 years of journey, you will then be offered your dream job in ministry. Well, that sounds great, <clears throat> but here's the thing. I want you to help then plant an Episcopal church. You want me to be an Episcopal? No. I just want you to plant it a while, and while at the same time working for that first church we talked about. Oh, has that ever been done before? No. No, you're going to be a trailblazer. Oh, well, that sounds a bit risky, Lord. Um, could it fail? Yes. <laughs> and I could make it work, but uh, that's not really the way this works. Wow. Well, that all sounds a bit overwhelming. It should. But that's why I'm God and you are not. I invited you to get on this roller coaster. I didn't tell you to design it. Here's the truth. There are consequences to your past. There are consequences that you will feel and ultimate consequences that Jesus has already felt. But regardless of your past, you need to know that your future is in my hands and it's going to be far better than anything that you could have cooked up for yourself. All you really needed to know 
was repent. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Friends, we're going to take communion now. And when we do, we can do so with penitent hearts, confessing how we've wronged the world and wronged God, and then trusting that only in Him can we find salvation. Only He can orchestrate our lives in a way that is consistent with His holy character, love, mercy, and justice. Because repentance is the first step towards anticipating the kingdom of God and the good news of His incarnation. And I wouldn't trade the last 15 years for any other story. Not because all of it was easy, but because all of it was a gift from my Heavenly Father who loves me enough to see my past, to see my sin, and then helps me point in the direction of His kingdom. Our communion table at New Hope is an open table. And we invite all those who call upon the name of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior to come forward. If you do not worship Jesus as King, you shouldn't feel obligated to participate. The bread is unleavened, the red is wine, and the white is grape juice. Please, though, please stand and join us as uh, churches throughout the centuries have done in the reading of the Nicene Creed. 